Coming up on Superboothers, the great Ryan Salinas is struggling to book his gigs. Yes, even the great ones hit a bump in the road every once in a while. We dissect what may have gone wrong and how to fix it. Stay tuned. Come see me live at the Photoboost Show Europe, October 15th and 16th, 2018 in Leicester, United Kingdom. Learn from industry experts, shop a range of high quality global providers, and get to meet other photo boosters just like you. Visit photoboothshow.eu for more information. Welcome to Super Boothers. My name is Ryan. And I'm Ismail. I am so depressed. You have been a little depressed lately. I don't know I what's going on. I have just been down in the dumps. Well, I, I mean, I know why I've been down on the dumps, but that's more personal than anything else. But um, business-wise, I have just been, like, missing out on a lot of bids that I'm sending. Like wait a second. Business isn't booking. Like I looked at my August last year. So August of 2017 compared to August of 2018, I did $60 less than last year. And I know that's not a huge difference. However, first of all, August is generally a big booking month. Second of all, I booked a lot of business in the last week of August that didn't I didn't think was going to book. So I technically should have been lower. Now, when you when you're counting those numbers, are you looking at bookings made money collected or event revenue that month Re- no it's 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 in the month for the month so whatever revenue i collect in that month that's what i count for my goal so it doesn't mean that the events took place in august no it just means that i gotcha. either took money or the events happened and yeah now so the revenue is about flat right what about the number of events are you doing less events are you doing same are you doing more uh, let me double check right now i want to say that i'm doing less um see that's if that's the case, should I wait for you to confirm that? Yeah, let me hold on here. Let me see. Well, see, this is my thing is that whenever I go through this, I don't I don't worry about number of events so much as revenue, even though I get what you're saying. Yes, the revenue should like match up with. I get that. But if, if you're telling me that you're doing the same revenue with less events, although it doesn't feel like there's a growth. Oh my gosh, listen, I did the exact same number of events for oh. six and, and I ended up sixty dollars less. Well, that's that's terrible. No, exactly. No, <laughs> no exact, exact same. No, wait, that's a lie. I did. Uh, I did a thousand dollars more. So I completely just lied right now. Uh, I did a thousand dollars. Should we just restart? Should we restart the episode? No, 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 no. I mean, just well, this is knowing your numbers, and I do not know these numbers off the top of my head. However, I know where to access them rather quickly. So I did. Uh, oh yeah, I guess that last minute event did book. So I did a thousand dollars more. However, I'm I'm it should have been at least fifteen percent higher, is my point. I'm I, I have lost out that I can think of in the last week about fifteen grand worth of business. And that is that just hits you where you live. Now I wanna first of all I could joke around and say, Oh, the great Ryan Salinas is losing out on bookings, but I wanna commend you because a lot of people wouldn't be that honest, right? So it just shows that no matter how great you are, I'm not that great. You can't book every job. Stop, keep going. Stop, keep going. No, <laughs> this is a new humble 
It's really funny because people will message me and they'll be like, oh, you're like a, what did I, someone called me the photo booth godfather. I'm like, um, no, although I will have a hit on you. No. (laughs) (laughs) You sounds like you're the one from Brooklyn. Right? <laughs> You'd think so. But is there anything that you've heard back from people that are not booking? Like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So most recently what happened, uh, this is – well, today's Wednesday. So last Friday I got a phone call that I did not recognize. I pick up the phone and she goes, hi, I have a lot of questions. I'm like, thank you so much. And again, one of the little girl agency booking – booking girls she calls and she says that she has moved on to a different uh a different agency that they've used me previously in los angeles and she goes i'm working with this new client i really want to use you can you please help me with you know the i spent 45 minutes with her going over all the questions she had until she was blue in the face and had no more I mean, we went over layout, we went over green screen, we went over microsite, we went over, you know, iPad social sharing stations. I literally had Brian Ginsburg on the other line having him answer questions for me that I could get back to this client because there's a lot of custom. Huh? Just another compliment to Ginsburg's customer I'm service. He's you. everywhere. Well, and that's the thing is if I called at three in the morning, he'd probably pick up. So I, I, I will say that I probably get better customer service from him the most, but again, he's incredibly responsive. So I don't think that it's uh, highly unlikely that you're going to get less customer service. I'm just saying I probably get just a smidge more preference. Uh, and, and this is again, to clarify this girl, this girl that you spoke to, you worked yes. with her before. Yeah, and at a different agency. At a, so you well, have she, a history with her. This is horrible of me. I don't remember who she is. And from my understanding, from what I can gather, she wasn't my client. Um, I think she worked with someone and it was just, you know, one of those who Oh, hi, I'm blah, blah, blah. Do you need any help? Okay. No, I'm good. Thank you. But you know, she was still in attendance and I, we still gave great customer service and she still remembered to call me. And, you know, I guess that's all I can ask for. However, this was a two day event. Uh, it was at a rather large convention center. I really appreciated that she had very specific needs and questions. So I was, the more information that I have, I'm able to kind of help her with whatever it is that she's trying to accomplish. So if you're telling me, I just want to go from A to B, I can probably add something extra to get you just to that, just little more production value, you know, whatever the case may be, just to make you look better with your client. So I was able to kind of be very forthright with her and, you know, just help out a little bit more than most just because she gave me more information. So I sent her the proposal and she goes, Ryan, it's a little high. I said, not a problem. I said, where do we need to work around it? And she goes, well, you know, we can take off a social sharing station. The hours have been revived. Okay, I sent her the revised proposal a little bit less. Because that's another thing is that our business is technically pure profit. I mean, you can't tell me that you're spending, you know, $500 on a $1,000 rental. That's just not going to happen. I mean, we have a higher, we have a higher profit than <laughs> profit margin than most. So, you know what? If we take a hit on it, that's fine because we're building the relationship with the client. So I would much rather get, you know, a hundred grand out of her a year than, you know, only 50. And before you breeze past this point, when she, you know, brings up the price, how exactly do you, like you said, not a problem, we'll work around it. Do you 
just offer a discount? Do you try to take things no, out? No, I try and take things out. I try and modify the service a little bit, even if it doesn't cost me anything. That way they can see something has changed a little bit. Um, you know, we won't do a custom microsite. It'll just be a standard one or, you know, we won't include, I don't know, and so, whatever. So, you just take so out me, some of the features and that's how you justify so, it to the client. Now, now why don't you, just because I'm sure everyone else is wondering this, when dealing with an agency, people are chasing these corporate clients. Mm-hmm. And everybody wants mm-hmm. this stuff. Mm-hmm. Why don't you instinctually say, oh, no problem. I can knock off 10, 15, 20%. Because as you just said, it's mostly profit. So again, this is the issue is on the next go around, they're going to expect that. And I, I need to not kind of screw myself over with the next event that comes through. You know, But I, I don't want to jump ahead in the story, but it sounds like you, you didn't win this gig right so stand by isn't it okay so <laughs> so what i went over the revisions with our center the proposal i said listen i need to know by 2 p.m tomorrow i said we need to do a fire drill on our end just to, and she's like i understand thank you so much let me get back with the client so sent her the revised pricing sent her you know whatever and to answer your question yes i did knock off whatever just for the hell of knocking it off um she sends me an email the next day and she said, I'm so sorry. I fought so hard for you. I wanted to use you. It wasn't my decision. The client ended up going with someone else. I said, not a problem. And she goes, but I have a perfect client for you in October or late October, whatever. I said, perfect. That's fine. That's interesting. So where you didn't really get a good reason as to why, right? It's, it's like the, you know, it was price. It was price. The other, she, and she had told me on the phone, what the issue was and with what this other company was doing i was just not going to hit that just for everything that we were doing even though we are pure profit it's just not worth it because then it's you're diminishing your value at that point but now do you feel like she mentioned a future event if the price was the issue now do you really feel like you'll get it in the future the price was the issue now for this particular client Mm mm-hmm they have other clients that are willing to pay for stuff. So no, I don't think that I'll lose many future ones. But this, oh. this is another thing. I've also lost a couple of other ones, Just this just being one of them. And it's getting to the point where I'm like, listen, you tell me what you want to pay me and I will book it just because <laughs> times, is, times is hard. It's like Priceline.com. Just make an offer. <laughs> you know what? This is progressive. Name your price and Ryan will deliver. But it sounds like that one – I don't know what else you could have done, right? Is there anything you can take away from that or is that just kind of – No, there's, there's absolutely nothing else I could have done to win that piece of business other than come in $500 shorter of what she wanted. And for the time that it was, it was like 10 in the morning to 8 at night uh, for two days and she wanted just something absolutely ridiculous. And I just, I, I just can't do that even though it doesn't cost me anything because it's going to cost me more in labor. Um, and I clearly already had the relationship there, so I don't, I don't really worry about it. And that way she knows the value of what my product and what I bring to an event is. So that's kind of why I didn't feel, think it was that horrible. Do you feel concerned though? Like I understand what you're saying, operate from a position of strength so they know your value, but do you really ever get concerned? Like, oh my God, I may lose this client. Daily. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. With everything. <laughs> well, so this is, I think that with... Certain clients, I don't really worry about it. I mean, there are times where I will bid stuff high 
just to bid it high because I don't want to do it. And there are times where a client calls your bluff and guess what? Now you got to do it. That happened to me actually this last weekend. I did an event about an hour away uh, from the office and I was instantly regretting it, <laughs> even bidding it out. That's that's not that bad. An hour, hour away. And a half. That's hour normal and a half. here. That's yeah, normal here. down the street. Traffic. Well, in Houston, a regular event is an hour and a half away. Hmm. Well, so, so you, this, you, go ahead. You, you said this is happening more often. Are these other stories similar to this one, or do they actually yes. ever give you? No, okay. it's always it's coming down to price. So this is the point where I have to reevaluate hmm. how much I'm actually charging for whatever my market standard is. Now, this is fascinating because I am sure a lot of people struggle with this, right? There's other people undercutting them, underbidding them. Lose, you're losing jobs to other people. So I'm really curious to hear how you think about this and how you are going to go through analyzing your it, place in the market or your price. It happens. I mean, I had this conversation with my friend Melissa. She's a florist in San Antonio. I, whenever I was a florist in Houston, we would constantly call back and forth with each other saying, you know, oh, all these brides are wanting to do, you know, nothing but white or it's, I remember it was tangerine and fuchsia was like such a huge color scheme. And if I did one more black, white, and pink wedding, I was going to put a bullet in my head. I mean, that's just, it's just very cyclical. That's just how our business is. I asked her, I was like, well, where are you at as far as delivery? And she goes, Ryan, she goes, I had to cut that out about a year ago. She said, I found out I was losing too many clients over my delivery fee. And the delivery was hovering about 20% for us. I mean, so that in itself was its own lineup. Now, when she says she has to do away with that, did she actually just remove it or did she roll it into she rolls it into She rolls it into wherever a little bit, um, and then you just kind of get like new pricing. Um, but still, I mean, even if you line item it, you're going to see the line item, if you compare it to another vendor, well, yours is a little higher. So, I mean, you just kind of have to figure out what works best for you. But for me – That's so interesting because – it's really the same thing, right? You're still including the price somehow, but just the fact that it's a different yes, line item. Yes, it's, it's such a, a big it's such a psychological problem. thing. Um, so yeah, so right now I'm kind of a little down right now. I'm not going to lie. So, well, why don't you sit in in the in the chair of my office? You know, lay down, have a beverage. It's going to be okay. Everybody goes <laughs> through this. <laughs> <laughs> What are we going to do? I'll tell you what I did. Oh, you already did something. Nice. No, this is... <laughs> that makes no, no sense so, whatsoever. No, so nice. I went to bed. I'm watching Netflix, and I had a little epiphany. Uh, there's this new show. Pretty much this show is going to change from Super Boothers to just... Netflix and podcasts is really what it's going to end up changing into. But so this is the thing is, again, I have always talked about, you can get inspiration from anywhere. Um, it used to be one of my favorite documentaries, uh, is called, uh, Joan Rivers, a piece of work. It's my favorite documentary in the entire world. Uh, and the reason why it is, is I would get so down and this happens. I think every six months or six months or so, I just get so like, down on you know business and just thinking to myself like what am I doing wrong but it takes you know uh, my friends just like slapping me upside the head and be like Ryan you've been doing this for how long like you're fine like calm it down like you're still here and that's just a thing is in comedy 
there is no job security. Just you still being here is is trophy enough or is an award enough. And what I really enjoy about that particular documentary um, with John Rivers is no one works harder. And I had this conversation with Denny Hirsch in Vegas. Denny Hirsch is actually uh, just announced to speak in BoothCon in Melbourne next year. So Denny and I will be down there, and he's also doing a master class. Um, but anyways, but that was a thing that I kind of said to Denny a while back at at uh at PBX in Vegas was no one works harder than me. No one can go longer than me. I mean, there are times where people will message me at all hours of the night and I'll still respond. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just generally always working on something. I think that's just a self-employed thing. Um, however, one of the attributes that I really appreciate about John Rivers is that th- there's an analogy that's made is, in show business, you know, lightning strikes you and you're big and you're hot and, you know, on top of your game or whatever. Lightning can strike you if you're not standing out in the rain. And the analogy that was made here is no one can stand out in the rain longer than Joan Rivers. And, you know, just working nonstop and just trying new things and just waiting for that lightning to strike. Yeah, I find myself, you mentioned going through cycles, right? So you're down right now. I find, you know, personally, I go through cycles too where you feel like a bum, like you're not really doing enough. And then you go through cycles. <laughs> I where feel that just, daily when hey. I wake up at noon. <laughs> and then you go through the opposite sometimes where you just feel insanely productive and you're just getting things done left and right. And it's weird that it's like an up and down roller coaster ride and you just can't keep it steady. I don't know if that's an entrepreneurial it type of thing. Or, is. That's just being a self-employed small business owner. So – you're still in the rut now. Do you still feel that way? Uh, a little bit. I think I am m- maybe thirty percent out on the other end right now. If I had to put a number to it, uh, and the only reason why I say that is just because I have, I guess, my little like methods of how I do things. Again, one of those things a couple months ago was redoing my office. You know, <laughs> no, I'm not going to redo I, it again. <laughs> I was going to say you said this happens like every six months or so. What do you do to get out of it, or what do you see pulls you out of it? What happens that gets you out of that rut? I forgot the point <laughs> a little bit earlier, so I had to do it again. So I went to go watch uh, Netflix, and there's a new show called Norm MacDonald Has a Show. And it is such a laissez-faire. It's like the anti-night show, like the anti-late night show. Uh, he has Judge Judy and Jane Fonda. And M. Night Shyamalan and Chevy Chase and David Letterman and just this whole array – David Spade was in there. This whole array of people, and he asked them some really personal, really in-depth questions in such a funny way. And what I really appreciate about this is there's little nuggets of wisdom that can – that really come from every single single person. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with – uh, Johnny Carson. However, whenever he had the Tonight Show, part of his big thing was he would have like you would he would have new standups come. If you did a good job, he would ask you over to the desk, and it was like such a big thing. Like a lot of amazing comedians. Go ahead. I was going to say that he was known for whenever he did that. Somebody you kind of become anointed as a successful comedian. Like that did. was what made you. That happened to Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers said, she goes, I, it, Johnny Carson is solely responsible for my career. David Spade said that he was so nervous. 
he went out, he did a set, the, you know, he goes, well, what if, what if he goes, I just had this dream in my head. Well, what if he asked me over to the desk and the production assistant was like, you come back here. I'm your boss. Johnny's not. And he was just so nervous. He did a set. It was amazing. Martin Short was in the chair next to Johnny Carson. Martin Short said he was so funny. You should ask him over. David Spade was so in his head, he walked backstage and didn't notice Johnny and Martin saying, come over. Oh, my God. Could you imagine that kind of – and no one knows this. You know, uh, Jane Fonda was just kind of uh, you know, telling her little opinion on you know, what happened with you know, her dad and the men that she's dated and you know, just little nuggets that kind of pull away. Judge Judy. Judge Judy was – uh, she was a, a uh, an attorney in Brooklyn, and she finally became a family court judge. And I believe it was a newspaper uh, or maybe a small television program. I'm not sure where they asked to bring cameras into the in, into her court, and she was like, "Yes." And that's kind of how you know the Judge Judy thing on you know TV got started. She goes, "We were we were public servants." We didn't make a lot of money. We had five kids. And and the the question that Norm MacDonald asked was, you know, does the money make everything better? Which is a big misconception. So for me, my mood being related to the amount of revenue that I have shouldn't necessarily be a good um, I guess barometer of it. But what she goes is, you know. The, what what the show Judge Judy has done, and by the way, she is the highest paid person on television. Per episode, yeah, people don't people don't know how successful she is financially oh, because of that show. It's mind boggling. Absolutely, she's the highest paid person. So she goes, you know, she goes. What the show has done for me is, she goes, it has removed the financial stressor from my life. There's still the family stressor. There's still the fame stressor. And she was just kind of going in depth on how there's a big misconception as to what fame or being successful is. So where, where, where can I find this? Netflix, this is in the Norm MacDonald. And he has, and it's a, such so, a stupid show, but I'm, it's so amazing how in depth he gets and how he's able to pull this information out of people. I binge watched the whole thing in a day. It was so horrible. Like, how do you have so much so time I, to watch I have, shows? I have Please. my, in my office, I have a gigantic TV and I just play it in the background whenever I'm working. It's my process. It doesn't distract I, you? It's just how I operate. So hmm. my point that I'm trying to get at here is whenever I realize these things, first of all, you realize, A, what's important in life. And you realize there are bigger things out there than revenue. At the second time, I have a couple trips that I have to pay for. <laughs> so I know I need to make that revenue. So again, what are some things that I'm doing to kind of change change in my mood or change my mojo or try and get my mojo back. Um, one thing I did is I bought a magazine. Uh, I bought a wedding, wedding magazine just to kind of like hopefully get inspired by, you know, seeing, um, and I buy a lot of architecture magazines as well. Um, so I will get inspired by that, hopefully create something and hopefully be motivated enough to actually act on it and, you know, post it and, you know, put it on, uh, put on a website. I was just doing this thing with you where I was trying out this tin type, um, portrait kind of little activation thing. And I'm planning yeah. it for no one. There is no active client that I'm working on it for. However, it's just kind of something that I wanted to play with. 
And whenever I'm at this low point, I use that time to try and be creative and try and get out of my little rut. Uh, what's really interesting here is that, you know, there's probably two schools of thought where when people get into this kind of rut, some people may just like double down and just bang their head against the wall and really just try to correct things. It sounds like what you do yeah. is you step away. Yeah. You watch Netflix, you get the magazine, you play around with some tin types, you distract yourself but and still, get into the creative But still aspect. being productive. That's the big thing is to find a way – because it's another thing just to be you know bored and twiddle your thumbs and not really accomplish anything. But however, at least I'm putting my like boredom to good use like by playing with a tintype, you know? Now, how does that stuff result? Like I know it's kind of weird that you're saying don't really tie yourself to revenue, but you kind of have to focus on the revenue yeah. number to – I mean that's that it's it's a game and the highest number wins. I mean that's just what it comes down to. So how do these things do they directly like I'm trying to I'm struggling to see the connection between watching Netflix, doing the creative stuff that you're doing, going to the magazine, and how does that end up bringing you back to booking more gigs and making more money? I mean, it first of all you just get out of your head for a minute. And you give yourself an opportunity to realize like where is what am I missing here? And what I think I found out missing is I'm clearly not setting myself apart than the next person because if the client doesn't see the value, well, that's my, that's my mistake for not conveying the value enough, I guess. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, but even if you did convey the value you know, perfectly, some people just are not – they don't see it or they don't have the budget or they don't want so to. That's, that's another thing is that I have to probably rethink my pricing a little bit. If I've lost five events based off of pricing, I mean I probably need to realize that I'm pricing myself out a little bit and at least getting to the point where I book the client to where I can you know, scale them up later. How do, you, how do you think about the fact like right now – I don't know how much you follow the economy or how much listeners pay attention to the economy, but the economy is booming. Like we are in – a huge bull run. The stock market's going crazy. Real estate prices are crazy. It's going to go down. It's, I agree with you. Eventually, it'll go down. There's but right now, there's a big bubble again. I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. But in this environment where there's so much good stuff happening, why are you now losing things according to price? Isn't that interesting? Uh, you know, and that was the thing is whenever the market kind of tanked in 2008, I was doing very well. I didn't really suffer from the market kind of tanking when the rest of the nation was, you know, eating cat food. The entire 2008, seven, nine, you, you didn't struggle at all. No, not at all. I mean, I think I made, so I made a tip of a thousand dollars in 2008. And your pricing wasn't modified at all. No, it was so strange. So so, now, I don't know. Uh, this is nothing. I also problem. don't think that Texas was affected as other industries were because that is true. we, we did. Well, so this is nothing. I also moved during that time to Houston and Houston, I mean, is at least 70% oil and gas. And that just didn't get touched at all. If anything, it increased. Uh, but that to me is like, wow. During the crisis, you didn't really no. get affected, Mm-mm. but now in the boom, you're having a hard time with Isn't your pricing. That strange? Like, that's really Jeez, odd. What very, is going on unless, here? unless that's Trump's an America. indicator that the economy is going to go down. <laughs> I, sorry, I had to. No, well, this is another thing is I also changed my business model in 2008. 
So I was doing wedding planning and the market tank didn't, I wasn't getting booked for wedding planning. So then I had to change my model and really uh, start offering a product. That's where the floral came in and the linens and the lighting and the photo booths. And that's where it all kind of, you know, started to snowball. But again, it was just a shift in the market that you just kind of had to realize. I'm realizing now, this is another issue. Agencies are buying their own photo booths. Uh-oh. Ruh-roh. So that's another thing you kind of have to change is, you know, the value that you bring. And the way how I'm kind of seeing that is the content that I create. I would like to create newer, cooler, fresher content that nobody has. And it's hard to do that. I mean, it's not easy by any means. Yeah. It, you know, it, for, for me, what stands out here is that not just in this industry, but in business in general, a lot of people like to put on this front of, look how great I am. Look how great I am. So I actually appreciate you being honest, you know, about, Hey, everyone struggles. And I hope the listeners that are listening to this, I'm sure a lot of people go through this all the time, but what you, what you should be taking away is how we are analyzing this, right? So we walked through the example that you had, um, didn't really get any reason other than pricing. Then we start looking at, Hey, maybe my competitors, I got to evaluate that pricing against my pricing. Maybe I have to modify, you know, my packages. And then we also talk about the macro of the economy. So you can dissect this in different ways to hopefully try to position yourself and pivot your business into a better position. That's also another thing is I don't think I have been uh, very nurturing of my business relationships. I think I've kind of let that go by the wayside a little bit. So what I'm doing now is I'm kind of making a list of, and again, I'm very lackadaisical about this. I probably could like sit myself down for two hours and really write out everything that I need to do. And I do have an ongoing to-do list. However, like one of the things I know I need to work on is reviews. I have horrible reviews online. And funny enough, um, there was a client that sent me an email that was like, I promised you a review. Thank you so much. Please let me know where I need to leave it. And I'm kind of holding off on it until I figure out like where all my profiles that I'm kind of getting into order because I'm redoing my Facebook and redoing my Google My Business and, you know, all that other stuff. But I I really um, try and hone in on what specific things do I need to work on or update or refresh that will help bring me business. What's really great about business to me is that you kind of get forced into course correcting, right? So the businesses that last, you kind of get smacked around. And like you said, if you weren't doing some things, if you weren't following up, if you weren't nurturing, if you weren't asking for reviews, if you weren't doing outreach, your business will suffer and you get smacked into the corner. And in order to get back on track, you have to start doing these oh things. Oh my God, my light just went off. I just booked an event. Ugh. Say God. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, you need to get these hue lights because whenever they change colors, it's the best feeling in the world. It actually just happened right before we started recording. So that's two in a span of like what happened uh, now. Praise little eight pounds. So for, pounds of forget everything we just talked about. It's all good. It's all Rise better now. Break. It all ends. Thank you so much. <laughs> Next week on Superboothers. The real thing that kind of gets me, the takeaway, is that Blockbuster was trying to do all these things and spying and copying, and they're gone. And the takeaway for me is that they were so focused on the competitor 
but they didn't focus on the customer. Netflix was focused on the customer. How can we have a better service? And they won. 